Welcome to Freestyle Thoughts, the dance podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and this is episode one. I am telling some stories in this episode, and for the sake of clarity, it's best if I use names, but for the sake of privacy, they are all fake. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I wanted to talk about something that's completely unrelated to probably everything I will be talking about in this podcast general. I have been playing the new Pokemon game, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, specifically the Violet version, and I am super excited for the second half of the DLC to drop. And I do have my gripes with the new games, but I'm still excited. So in preparation for it, I've been shiny hunting. And for anyone who knows anything about shiny hunting, it is about upping your odds to find or hatch a shiny. And my specific goal before the DLC releases is to hatch all three of the Paldea starters. And I am one third of the way there, which isn't great because it's December 2nd and it drops on the 16th. So or it's either the 16th or the 14th. Either way, it's it's not great considering my luck right now. So I've been trying to get Shiny Sprigatito for weeks now. And I have the Shiny Charm and I've been using the Masuda method. And the Masuda method is when you breed two Pokemon of two different languages for a higher chance of a Shiny. So for example, that's like taking a English Pikachu, like an English language Pikachu, and a Chinese simplified language Pikachu, breeding them together to have higher odds of hatching a shiny Pikachu. Now just replace Pikachu with Sprigatito because that is what I have been doing for literal weeks. And the odds are supposed to be decently high if you have the shiny charm, which I do, but I have been having the worst luck, I swear. My odds are as high as it can go, but I have filled boxes and boxes and boxes of non-shiny Sprigatito, and this shiny grass cat refuses to hatch. I am so sad about this. Uh, But completely unrelated rant aside, I actually wanted to use this episode to talk about, I guess, more of my origin story, but more specifically about the music I'm using for this podcast. One of the parts of making a podcast that I absolutely dread is finding intro, outro, break music, whatever, right? And since this is a dance podcast, I wanted to use music that was significant to me. Obviously, any music significant to me while I was in basic is kind of a no-go. I feel like the music that we use there ages worse than Chinese dance music and also the more obvious copyright issues. So, (laughs) but more significantly, as you will come to understand, my Chinese dance history was the filter through which I experienced basic. So I ended up settling with the music I'm using now. So the music I chose is music that was from my second solo I've ever done. The first solo I've done, to be quite honest, it was more of a result of my situation than it was I deserved this because I'm good or I deserve this because I'm confident enough to do it. So some backstory, at the time I was attending two different dance schools and these two dance schools, they were the result of a very dramatic fissure of one single dance school. And I won't really go into it because this happened when I was really young, like fourth or fifth grade. But for the people who weren't involved in the drama, we just went with our dance teacher. Like wherever our dance teacher went, that's where we ended up. So the thing is, I my dance teacher, Chiu Lashu, she went to the school that mostly focused on dance. And my sister's teacher... She went to the school that mostly focused on wushu. So it was a dance dance school and a wushu dance school. That's how I'm going to be referring to these two schools for 
the foreseeable future. And so at first, I was going to strictly the dance dance school. But eventually, the people who were at the Wushu dance school, this is going to be the parents of people who were in my sister's class, as well as the director at the school, because the school was like really small at the time. They convinced my mom to have me take lessons there. But their problem was the Wushu dance school was, again, it was really small. And again, most of the people who were in my class were at the dance dance school. And I, most of my, all of my friends were there. I didn't know any, anybody outside of my sister who was at the Wushu dance school. And the level that was above me at the original school, most of those people also went to the dance dance school because that's where their teacher went. So combined with my class and the class above me, excluding me, there was four people, three people that were originally in the class above me, and then one person who was at my level. And these people who were the class above me, I say class above me in terms of dance class level above me, not in the sense of high school graduation class above me, because these people were three years older than me and the other person who is my level, and we'll just call her Rebecca. So me and Rebecca, we were less skilled than they were for whatever reason. So Rebecca had been going to the Wushu dance school for a solid six-ish months before I started attending the Wushu dance school. And she ended up getting her first solo, I think, to kind of get her level up to the same ballpark as the three other girls because they were like, again, three to four years older than Rebecca and myself. So around Lunar New Year, the Wushu Dance School used to put on this production of Mulan. And you can think of it as more of a way to show off the school skill and having a narrative run point. So it was less of a recital and it was, again, it was more of a storytelling thing. Also think more of the ballad than it was the Disney original version. <laughs> so by the time that Mulan came around, 2012, this is 2012, 2012 uh, Lunar New Year season is coming around. And I think I hadn't been dancing with these people for a particularly long time. I think it was probably under six months, to be honest. And I think Rebecca and I were roughly the same level, but you could definitely tell that Rebecca and me, compared to the other three girls, we were underbaked. And in retrospect, I think I especially was underbaked as a dancer. And that's kind of why I got my first solo. Like this wasn't, a, again, this wasn't a solo because I was good or confident. It, this was a solo that made me get my shit together. And I don't know why I didn't have a lot of time because six months should have been enough time to kind of get your shit together, right? But may, maybe not. I don't know. So I, just, I didn't have a lot of time to get the solo together. It was I remember it very much being crunch time the entire time I was working on this solo. I was also working with a dance teacher who didn't, know me particularly well in the sense that she knew what my skills and weaknesses were, which generally I would agree that this doesn't matter, but for some reason she was teaching me original choreography to ideally make me look as good as I possibly could considering that I was working crunch time. So it does play more of a role. So back to this whole Mulan thing, my solo was put into the Mulan performance and there we had this stage rehearsal and I distinctly remember forgetting this latter part of the dance. I don't know about you, but once I memorize a dance and I'm confident, it just becomes autopilot muscle memory for me. So what happened was I was autopiloting my solo and then it's like someone just hit the disengage autopilot button 
And all of a sudden, I'm completely aware of where I was, what I was doing, and I just didn't know what I had to do next. I completely forgot. And it's honestly a little bit ironic because I kind of remember now what that was supposed to be, at least this little section that I, the first part of the section that I forgot. And it's been like 10 years. So I, what, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> I remember my dance teacher saw me completely blank out and had to do the section off to the side of the stage to kind of remind me of what I was supposed to be doing. And in my defense, okay, I was in the sixth grade, I want to say, and this was the newest part I learned. And again, the entire thing was crunch time. So what I was supposed to do, I was supposed to butt roll to the left. And then once I was facing the front, kind of jump, hop up, whatever, and then go straight into a butt roll in the other direction and do the same thing. And the thing that I remember about this part was literally how my body was screaming when I had to get up from like a butt roll position to a standing jump hop. My body was literally, my legs were literally screaming in exhaustion because it was kind of a long solo, but also I, my legs were weak. What else is there to say? <laughs> I, I, it looked like I was barely able to do it. And in my memory that like I felt like I was barely able to do it. So think about it. It's my lack of like ability to remember this part combined with my straight up physical inability to do this combo. It did not look good. And to be quite honest, the director probably came up to my dance teacher and was like, yo, this kid's got to shape up or ship out. And to be honest, fair. That basically just meant that I had to do more lessons in a kind of a short period of time and they were at my teacher's house and we also changed that part of the choreography so it didn't look like I was struggling. I ended up having a handful of lessons at my teacher's house. We just did it in her living room. She pushed the couch and the coffee table back and it was a pretty small space to work with. But she was a college student, I think a senior at the time, and she was living in this house with her younger sister for sure, maybe her older sister, maybe probably fourth roommate. I don't really know what the living situation was like, but I know her younger sister definitely lived there with her. Her younger sister, we'll call her Haley, she actually ended up being the subsequent dance teacher, funnily enough. And I remember my first interaction with her, <laughs> it was at this house. Haley was making homemade fruit roll-ups in the kitchen and I was on a break or I was waiting for my mom to pick me up and she offered me this homemade fruit roll-up that she just freshly rolled and I declined out of politeness. But that was my first interaction with her before I really knew who she was. But I remember learning the later parts of my dance at my dance teacher's house and drilling the whole dance from memorization in her living room. The thing is though, I distinctly remember dreading having to go to these privates. And it wasn't because I hated my teacher or because the house was gross or I didn't want to do the work or anything. It was because of the amount of homework I had to do. I went to a six through 12 prep school and we had a crazy amount of homework and I didn't know how to time manage in sixth grade, obviously. And the house was far away from where we lived. So the only way I could get my homework done at a reasonable hour was to do my homework in the car on the drive down to my dance teacher's house. And I remember hating having to do this. But that's, that was the only reason why I, I dreaded it. <laughs> but ultimately, back to my first solo, I would say that the final product was acceptable considering my circumstances and skill at the time. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was good, if that makes sense. And I know that sounds harsh, but I think I have to, I have to be fair to myself. I will say though, I did learn this little fan toss that was sadly not implemented into my next solo. But basically this little fan toss 
it's actually a lot of fun. So what it is, is you, from like an audience perspective, it's like the fan goes around like 360 degrees, but the person who, but the dancers hasn't, it doesn't look like they've really let go of the fan. So it's, you kind of just toss it around like really your index finger so that you kind of know where it is in its little loop. And I remember actually really working really, really hard on that little trick. And now it is ingrained into my muscle memory. My subsequent dance teachers would try to implement that trick when they found out that I could do it if we were doing a fan dance. But besides learning little tricks like that, my dance teacher uh, for my solo did a really good job at instilling kind of, I want to say more just general dance fundamentals. So like thing you remember specifically working on is what it meant to actually extend your arms to when you do something like when you move your arms you're not just swinging your arms around you're actually if you're moving your arms it actually does require the rest of your body and that's like what extension means because I mean I think if you're a dance teacher you kind of have to dance to teach these kind of things right if someone at that time was just saying, extend your arms more, I think a, it wouldn't have really made sense because to a sixth grader who doesn't really know any better, extending your arms really just means reaching as far as you can without the use of the rest of your body, like like super straight arm and straining. Like that's what extension is to a sixth grader, or at least that's what it was to me when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> as a brief interlude before I tell more about the solo that goes with this music. So both my first solo and my second solo were fan dances, but the thing is they weren't regular folding fans or like Tai Chi fans. It's something a little bit different. In Chinese dance, fan dances can mean a lot of things. I'm specifically referring to more of a folding fan as opposed to a circle fan, if you will. And these folding fans are a little bit different than like regular folding fans. They are for one, heavier than a folding fan. Two, as a result like, of the material that's made of, it's a little bit louder than a folding fan. So the best, series of words that I can use to describe these fans are bamboo silk fans and that means that it is a fan with bamboo ribbing and then it has then the fan part itself is made of silk and it's a half circle fan so it opens for like 180 degrees right you can find this actually on Amazon if you just look up bamboo silk fan, bamboo silk half circle folding fan, some variation of that. But generally, though, if you look at this, look this up on Amazon, and a lot of the pictures that you will find are these fans that have a really long silk end. And while yes, Chinese dance does use some fans that have like really long silk ends, the ones that I did for these two situations had a shorter end. Like it still extended to kind of enhance the flowiness or whatever, but just not nearly as long as the ones that are prominent on Amazon. And, you know, these fans are tend to be close to the size of Tai Chi fans, but they're quieter than Tai Chi fans. And they do come in different sizes though. And I don't think Tai Chi fans come in different sizes. And the way these dance would work is that you would hold, if it's a fan dance, it's almost always, I've never seen a fan dance that does this contrarily, it's always in your right hand. And in your left hand, it would either just be empty or you would be holding a scarf. It didn't, it, the left hand was chilling, doing something else. And there are some fan dances that would use the fan like fans in both hands so you would have a left hand and a right hand fan which are believe it or not left hand and right hand fans are are a thing 
because of the way that they open and the way that you keep it open. Um, but usually it's almost, oh, if it's a single fan, it's always the right hand. And that's what these two solos were. And the fans themselves that I was using for these dances were actually pretty special to me. The first solo, I had a this peach fan. It was like a peachish color and it had a longer silk end. And the second one was more of an orangey yellow color. And the silk end was shorter than the first time, the first one. But both were given to me by my dance teacher. And I still have them. And, you know, despite the challenges, I associate them with good memories for the most part. And, you know, I was actually pretty lucky because those were pretty good quality. The fans didn't splinter and the bamboo was good quality. But the thing is, it's super easy to buy these bamboo silk fans and have the wood splinter immediately. Like for example, I purchased a one of these fans for a solo that I'm doing now in the present day. And when I was taking it out of the bag, this pl the plastic bag that it was shipped in, I immediately got a splinter through the plastic bag and it sucked. The, the bamboo, like the wood quality was absolutely awful, but the silk was okay. So I thought it was good enough to salvage. And for a really long time, I didn't really know what to do with the wood because I had never encountered that situation. Usually in the, pa in the past when we had gotten silk fans that let's say were not up to quality in any degree, we somebody else, it was somebody else's job to take care of it. But this was this time it was my job to take care of it. So it turns out you can actually use beeswax to kind of I don't want to say fix the wood on the fan, but to kind of help the wood set and to protect the wood more. It's kind of the same that you would use if you were doing like woodworking. Like it's not oil, but you could still use beeswax for like wood furniture, like a wooden table. And I, it, it worked. Just took, I just took like a paper towel and like smeared it all over the, the wooden parts of the fan and let it sit for at least 12 hours. Sometimes it was 24. And then I just wiped up the, ac the excess. And once kind of the grease stopped being as prominent, it's perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who this piece of advice would help, but if that is you, you're welcome. So back on topic, after that 2012 Mulan, I started learning the solo that went with the music I'm using for this podcast. It was in another original choreo, Rebecca. She was the girl who was also like originally like my dance class, my level of dance. Um, she had a pre she had a solo the previous year as a recap, and she was doing another solo, learning a, learning a new one at the same time I was learning a new one, but it wasn't really the same style. So it was really just me, the two of us that had anything repetitive, and I I didn't really have any opinions on anything at that time. But in hindsight, I I'm happy that it was there was like a through line. Fan dances can be pretty classical, but that means that they can also draw from technique that is more easily transferable to other aspects of Chinese dance. And my dance teacher at this point, she knew me and she had concluded after my first solo that I apparently had the wrist for fan dances. And what that means is just that I have a pretty loose wrist which is good for like flipping the fans and making the fan look super flowy and smooth and stuff and at the time I was a middle schooler and when she told me that I was kind of like yeah okay sure whatever that means thanks I guess uh -huh. but since then I understand I think I understand what she meant I have tried to teach two different groups of people a fan dance and it wasn't the same kind of fan dance that I was doing for these solos. But now I know what she meant. 
like when I was teaching, I would do something with the fan I, because I thought, hey, this is totally natural. Everyone can follow my movement. Everyone knows what I'm doing. Easy. Move on. Next movement, right? Wrong. I would immediately lose my audience. And let me remind you, this happened to, with two different groups of people, different skill level, different experience level, different points in time. So it was the problem was me, not them. <laughs> but this solo, I would say that I was I was and am proud of this solo. Did it play to my strengths? Yes. But did I face many external challenges? Not really in the same way. <laughs> so after Mulan 2012, the other three girls in my class ended up doing solos as well. I think it was because our dance teacher, well, she was a good dance teacher, but she was graduating from university in like May, I'm guessing. Her time as a result, her time with us was extremely limited. So the others naturally wanted to take advantage of the time that we had left with her. I mean, her younger sister, Haley, as I mentioned earlier, was taking over as dance teacher. And I love, I love Haley and I still keep in contact with Haley and I'm extremely grateful for whenever we get together like, in present day. But I don't think Haley was ever as intense or even remotely serious about dance as her older sister was. Like the older sister, she had taught dance before and she seemed, she had done more solos and small groups and stuff than Haley did. So I just think that for Haley, it was much more of a, a hobby, extracurricular. And for the older sister, I think it was, it was still a hobby, extracurricular, whatever, but I think she just took it a little bit more seriously. She was just more, a little bit more involved after high school graduation, clearly. But or I guess not clearly, but maybe clearly because I think if Hay if Haley's older sister hadn't taught, Haley also wouldn't have gotten like back involved in the Chinese dance circle community, whatever. Anyways, going into the 2013 Lunar New Year season, all five of us had performance-ready solos. But as we approached Mulan 2013, uh, it was revealed that only two of us were going to be allowed to perform our solos for the performance. Initially, it wasn't meant to be me and Rebecca since we we did it the previous years. Our turn was over. And initially, that meant that the two solo slots were meant to go to two of the three other girls. I don't really know what happened but my solo ended up being chosen instead of one of the other girls. I'm not sure if because my dance teacher fought for it since it was original choreo or one of the other, I, I, or I don't know what happened, but I do know that one of the, I'm guessing at least, one of the other girls, Rachel, she was very heavily involved in wushu and I think it was believed that she just wouldn't have time to act to actually perform the solo if one of the slots were to go to her so initially I think the slots were supposed to go to the two other girls but it ended up being I guess to my knowledge like a coin flip between the two of them or it was they talked it out I don't really know Oh, no, I do remember what happened. One of the girls actually ended up quitting. So it was just the girl who didn't do wushu. That, that's, who, that's who got the, that solo slot. And I'm guessing that's why I got the other solo slot instead of Rebecca. Well, I wrote out a whole script trying to remember and logic my way through. Can't believe it just randomly came back to me like that. <laughs> As you can imagine, this could cause tension between me and Rebecca because we were young and foolish and there was 
something that at least she wanted that she didn't get and I got instead. Long story short, this was kind of the beginning of the end of the good relationship I had with Rebecca. I would never particularly say that up until this point that Rebecca and I were particularly friends or necessarily close, but we weren't on bad terms. So some background, I guess. This was because it wasn't just one solo that I got that she didn't get that she kind of threw a fit about. It was kind of more of a, a in her defense, it was more of a series of events that were ended up to be less favorable for her. I think what happened was this was the year that I started to do wushu and I was able to to perform the straight sword form even though that I had less time training um and that was simply because I did I already had some pre-existing straight sword training due to the summer camp that I took at this wushu dance school in which where I learned the very basic of basics of straight sword forms and Rebecca although she had been in wushu longer did not know the basics as much as I did because Rebecca was more uh, trained in a different weapon let's say (laughs) so if you want to put it in the most toxic way possible I won these two highly coveted solos (laughs) so naturally this was this this is this is why Rebecca and I started the end of our friendship (laughs) listen we were again let me recap this for everyone we were both in dancing wushu together we were a similar age had we're in the same friend group um and often up for competitive like positions like solos in both dance and wushu and you know what again as I said it, it started a trend where it seems like I was to her that I was getting more solos and attention and stuff and the stuff that she wanted personally I think that's just kind of whatever bias that is because she definitely got stuff that we were both up for that I wanted but didn't get but I don't know and I do want to say as a disclaimer that although I think dance schools are infamously super toxic, this Wushu dance school that I was at, it didn't really encourage those kinds of like toxic competition, at least not amongst the kids. I don't know what was going on with the parents, if there was any behind-the-scenes drama. Like It was very much marketed that we were a Wushu family. We were trading brothers and sisters. So friendly competition, yes. Um, toxic competition, no thank you. <laughs> but to be quite honest, that mindset that the school advertised didn't really help me. Like It didn't stop kids from being cruel, you know? And to, I guess if you're in middle school and a competition with someone that you don't particularly like but don't particularly dislike, like it's so much, it's so easy to turn that person into your enemy. Back, back to the Solo, <laughs> despite the turbulence of sorts, the, my, the solo has a very special place in my heart. Despite all of like, the outside factors and the social stupid stuff that was going on, my solo, it's only me. And I didn't really have to care about other people's opinions or what they thought of me at that time, you know? It really just would come down to my hard work and no one could really sabotage that regardless of like any rumors that were going about in my friend group I if I focus my energy like it was a way to in hindsight kind of get back at her but at the time I think it was more of just an, an escape I don't know but it definitely helped it helped me my me in the sense of my self-esteem 
the other people were actually recognizing my hard work and therefore I kind of got I, I definitely got rewarded with like more solos and attention I guess <laughs> as a result which which didn't help me socially but it helped my self-esteem believe it or not before we were all made aware of this two solo slot situation at some point for a post-stretch warm-up uh, our dance teacher who was Haley at this point had us do our so our solos for each other and it was a way to show each other our work but to also kind of warm up more and I remember being pretty self-conscious about this since I don't know. Again, I, I was just intimidated by the other girls. I think I went last or close to last. So I saw everyone else's solos before me and I thought they were though they were a lot more interesting and better than mine were. <laughs> and you know, I was 3 years I was also 3 years younger than these people. And I never I, and I never really thought of myself as like a particularly gifted dancer, you know. I never I still don't really see myself that way, but I especially did not saw myself that way at that age. I wouldn't say that I was necessarily bad or anything. I was just pretty average. I, I mean, I had to work hard, I was, but my raw skill was average at best. But I remember af after I ran through my solo, I remember the, the others were like really nice about it. And I think I would genuinely kind of surpass their expectations that they had set for me. I mean, to be fair, I did set the bar pretty low with that previous solo. But having a positive reception was still very nice. And then during rehearsals for Mulan 2013, my friend's mom, um, I respected her opinion on dance because of two reasons. First of all, she was always super, super blunt. So when she complimented someone or something, it meant a lot. But when she criticized something, it wasn't anything to kind of take personally. It was just like it was. It was never something like said in like to be malicious or anything. So I also knew that she wasn't a person to be dazzled by like, "Ooh, pretty fan," you know. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, none of those parents were really like that. But I knew my friend's mom was especially not like that. Also, I knew that she saw, has seen what I considered a gifted, good dancer is. So I knew that she kind of had a reference for what was actually good, if that makes sense. And I knew, again, I knew she wasn't, if she was gonna to talk to my mom about me, she wasn't gonna be fake nice about, about my skill. So it felt really nice when I found out that she told my mom that my solo was good and that I had come a long way in a year. And honestly, I don't remember what the compliment was exactly. And I don't think it matters. But I just remember that it, it felt really nice. It felt like one of the highest compliments that I had gotten that year, to be quite honest. And plus, I, I knew that like, my friends who were her daughters, they were both in Wushu and they didn't do dance. So they weren't really involved in this part of the rehearsal. So that meant that that their mom could have just been zoning out and not paying attention. But she she was paying attention and she was paying attention during my solo and she felt it was good enough to just come up to my mom. I mean, they were friends, but she went up to my mom and complimented her kid about her dance and it as 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 my mom's child it felt nice it felt nice to be recognized by my peers and my friend's mom <laughs> at this point i do want to clarify that i am not quite sure what the names of these solos were <laughs> in the, the function of mulan everything was kind of treated in acts more they more so than they were in like concrete dances or forms what that means is that for my solo, my solo was put in at the end of the show. So Mulan has already saved China. And now there's like a big celebration at the palace to honor Mulan, the savior of China, right? 
And my solo was in this kind of a celebration medley, if you will. But in the program, it wasn't given a name. It was just, I was a soloist at the celebration. <laughs> and after the celebration, Mulan would come in and be honored as the hero of China. You know, like generally I would say, think the scene Think of the scene in the original Disney movie, minus the last Han attack and the cross-dressing and the reference to the song where they get their shit together. The let's get down to business, that song. I have sat for a while when I was writing the script trying to remember what the name of that song is. And now that I'm recording, I still don't remember what the name of that song is. I'll make a man out of you. Gosh, that honestly took multiple days to remember. I had to briefly sing it in my head to figure that out. <laughs> Anyways, so the, the programs didn't really help, as I kind of alluded to earlier. So it would sh show the act instead of kind of like the, the dance, you know? So for example, it would be like, Young Mulan, Fashu boys, Fashu goes off to to war. Uh, teen Mulan, Mulan, the re re reflection. I don't remember what we called it. We didn't call it reflection, <laughs> but whatever. That's what like the acts were, and then I guess it would have like our names if we were in that act. I don't know. Each act consisted of like wushu forms or sparring sets and or dances but they weren't each act didn't further break down break down what it was so for example on the program it would just say little mulan or young mulan but what young mulan would consist of is like four wushu forms and four um kind of like more dancey segments to kind of show mulan's being a woman in this time period and she was forced to do to learn more womanly things if you will um despite her interest in martial arts and that's and like that that's what the act would consist of going back and forth between like the wushu her her interests and what society kind of forced upon her but you know it, it didn't break that down in the program and it's not like the credits of the program if you will were more helpful because we were just kind of credited by what act we were in like if we were in like Fashu Boys if we were like a random soldier in the army or like an invading Mongolian if we were one of the like 50 Mulans that we had <laughs> at the various stages of her life whatever so the, the program Mulan it didn't help we didn't have names but we would perform these dances for Phoenix Chinese New Year performance week cycle and other events. And usually this would always happen after the Mulan production. And, you know, in those situations, it's a little bit more important to have a name there because usually there is an MC uh, to introduce the dancer and the dance, which is a problem when the dance doesn't really have a name. <laughs> I know that we did come up with names for my solos, but all I can remember is the name of the first one. It was called Blue Fairy. And I remember the person who named the dance afterwards, she literally came up to me and told me that she named it Blue Fairy because one, no one had any other better ideas. No one had any other ideas, period. Two, my costume was blue. Therefore, Blue Fairy. Honestly, I'm not quite sure what we used for the second solo. To my knowledge, we didn't... We, we got around the name, having to name it, I guess. Because maybe the MC was just like, here's a solo. I have no idea. But I know the, M, the name on the original MP3 file was like... Anna Solo underscore Dragon or something like that. Or Dragon underscore Anna Solo. Something like that. <laughs> I don't think we really named it 
anything of note. Blue Fairy did not did not really stick. If I if I asked my mom what was the name of my first solo, she would have been like, "Is is did it have a name?" <laughs> if I asked the person who named it, she would also be like, "I I don't know. I don't know if we really named it." <laughs> so I guess this is a little detail that it would have otherwise been lost to time. <laughs> who knows but after so the thing is after the 2013 lunar new year kind of cycle season whatever you want to call it uh that dance basically it went into retirement and before I continue with our little story because it is relevant to kind of like the last part of my story here is that if it wasn't already clear I have a pretty good memory when it comes to completely useless things. <laughs> so here's another example. I went to Houston last month and I was catching up with one of my friends and I was referring to a specific moment that happened almost two years ago at this point and I was getting pretty specific and he, he didn't remember any of it, but that's okay. Um, what happened was... And I, let, let me prove it to you that I remember this. <laughs> so we were, for, we both got slighted in a way that we were both just like, made us both like upset. And we both talked to each other about being upset about the situation. And at some point in this conversation over, mess, over like messenger, I was like, hey, we deserve condolence boba. <laughs> and not only do we deserve condolence boba, we deserve good boba. So that meant that we were going to get boba that was further away from campus than the kind of mediocre to shitty boba that was close to campus. And we both had the time to do it. So you know what? That's, we went to go get the good boba. And I remember he ordered Tara milk tea with boba. And I got like uh, some sort of like mango slush because it was gongcha. And... We were both like, you know what, let's drink this in the car so that we can, one, get back to campus faster, and two, so that we can bitch about our situation in the car. And the thing is, my car kind of acted as a safe space for my friend group. So, and I think that also kind of motivated everyone to be a little bit more conscious about keeping the car clean, a little bit more so than they would have otherwise been not that they tend to be messy in other people's cars that I think that since we're spending a lot of time in our car it would have been nice for everybody because they would have benefited also if like the car was clean instead of like being like unnecessarily dirty from their own baking I mean I would have cleaned it up but I think they just they just wanted to be nice instead of using my car for a safe space <laughs> but what happened was that my friend poked the boba plastic just enough for like, the milk tea to flood out but not enough to have actually successfully done the boba stab and my friend just took such a long time to figure out how to rectify the situation without any spillage I mean I had napkins so if worse came to worse we just would have used the napkins but he didn't really want to use the napkins out of pride <laughs> fair enough but it took a while for, for him to successfully um get the boba straw through the plastic so but he did it and when I was in Houston I was referring to this outing I was citing I was even citing like hey you're wearing that one red shirt and we were in this specific parking spot facing this direction he, he didn't he sort he remembered why we were upset and that was like the extent of his memory but the point is is that I remember pretty mundane or useless things that aren't particularly useful in my daily life. And the only time that tends to come in useful is that I do remember dances pretty, pretty well, I would say. There are very few exceptions where I don't remember dances. And honestly, there's one dance I really wish I could forget, but I'm cursed to remember it for forever. And you know what? We'll get there. Very few exceptions for when I don't remember. But 
when my fan solo went into retirement after 2013, you know, like retirement, I still remembered it for years to come because like, you know, honestly, how could I not? There was so much surrounding this dance that it's unforgettable. So again, I went to a small six through 12 prep school and I spent most of my time outside of school at dance. And this was especially true when I was in middle school. And that meant that in middle school, I didn't really have a lot of friends in the sense that like I would hang out with them outside of school. And when I stopped doing wushu in like the ninth grade, I started to have friends with whom I would hang out outside of school who also went to school with me. <laughs> Since my school was, my school was pretty small. My school was pretty small, like for reference, the graduating class ended up being about like 65-ish people. Um, so the class had, was pretty close with each other. Um, like we used to get together like once a year. But then COVID struck and we haven't had a get together since <laughs> because we all got busy at the same time, I guess. Anyways, my classmates knew that the reason that I wasn't really around during middle school was because I danced. And, you know, but I don't think they really knew that I danced at the same time does that make sense like seeing someone do something versus like hearing them do something or two different things like I distinctly remember there was some dude who came up to me to like he asked me to like hang out or maybe he asked me out on a date I don't really remember what he was asking I remember that one I didn't particularly enjoy my any interactions I had with this human being and I Otherwise, was just generally busy. So I had told him, oh, no, I can't hang out or do whatever because I have dance. And I distinctly remember the look on his face because he, the look on his face, he was like, you are, you, this is a lie. <laughs> but you know what? It wasn't a lie. And come 12th grade, I was like, you know what? It is time to prove that I have the skill. So there was a chance to, there was a chance to prove that I, I was skilled in the arts, <laughs> in the performing, performing arts. Um, and I had an audition for it and I got in and the thing is, yes, this performance was to highlight students' skills in the arts, but it was always someone playing piano or singing it was rare for some for someone to do literally anything else and dancing was practically unheard of and to be quite honest in general people who were dancers just didn't really have a chance to show off like any skill at my school and part of the reason why that was the case as well as the fact that it was just people who were singing or pianists who performed at this particular event. It was because most of the kids who chose to participate in this performance were either, they had skills that were reinforced by the arts program offered at the school. So it was stuff like they, like it would be people who were already in choir or orchestra or whatever who would perform at this event and my school did not have a dance team or like a cheer team and honestly I completely understand why first of all our school definitely did not have any facility to support such an athletic group like we Barely had a basketball court. And at the time, we most definitely did not have a football field. So we definitely didn't have just like the facilities for to have like a cheer or a dance team. But also, I think, and this is more prominent, my school believed that having a dance or a cheer team 
would inject a toxic energy into this very delicate high school, middle school ecosystem. And honestly, fair enough. They sort of, they have a bad rap for a reason, okay? And the school is situated in a wealthier part of town. And it's also a charter school. So that means the people who go there had to have parents who could afford to drive their kids to school or lend them a car so that they themselves can drive to school if they were old enough, which tended to correlate to these families having a decent amount of wealth. Unfortunately, that meant a lot of these kids were privileged. And I'm, I acknowledge I was one of those privileged children. But what I was not was snobby. A lot of those kids at my school were snobby. Much more prominent in the middle school than it was in the high school. But the high school definitely had some kids who were low-key kind of snobby. Some even stayed around till graduation. We had a couple of those in my class, and they were nice to me, at least. Like, I never had any problem with them, and to my knowledge, no one really had any problem with them. They just kind of gave off elitist energy, and on a personal level, I just wasn't about that vibe. Back to this little performance event, <laughs> I, a lot of people were kind of, just, I think, when I showed up to do my thing, were surprised that someone just generally someone generally chose to dance because one I think that clearly it hadn't happened before in the past and I think there is a small child a middle schooler at the time who did um who who danced before me in the set but from what I remember it wasn't it was a little bit awkward because she, she, I don't think they were particularly really good or like it wasn't, it was, she, this person didn't sh show off her strengths, shall we say. And so I think that comboed with the fact that it was me of all people, me who was like the least active in like these kind of school activities, um, showed up and did a dance. It was very surprising to the my classmates who were either performing or there to support their friends at this event. <laughs> and I had a friend who was there. She was performing and she recorded me. And she genuinely thought that I made up the dance like X weeks ago when I auditioned. And so you can imagine her surprise that one, that one I was actually good. Because, yeah, I did improve in between 2013 and like senior year of high school <laughs> but two I think she was also surprised to find out that I had dusted off this dance from like I guess the math would say that was four-ish years ago and four or five-ish years ago and that's when I apparently began to be cemented as the dancer of the class so I guess, long story short, the reason why this solo was uh, special to me is because, uh, what's a good way to summarize this? The reason why this solo is special to me is because I think it represented a time that shaped who I am now a lot, I became like the, the person I was pre the solo versus after the solo was very different people. And, and most of that, yes, was more result of kind of like the social stuff that was going on, less so than it was my own like the solo itself, like the solo wasn't magic, but the solo reminds me of that time. And I'm grateful for that time that I kind of had, I had to struggle socially to figure out what I value, what, who I value as friends. And th I think those kind of stuff tend to, it, it laid a very strong foundation for me such that when I got older and got into university, I didn't go through some of the same self finding yourself existential crisis crises that I saw a lot of my peers going through 
especially like that first year of university, because I know that that first year of university can definitely hit you with the self-identity crisis super hard, super fast. But I think a part of the reason why I didn't go through that was because I had already gone through a lot of trouble, a lot of, a lot, a lot of turmoil um, when I was pretty young. And, you know, I, I learned from that situation. And on a much more superficial level, it gave me street cred, if you will, <laughs> within my high school. <laughs> uh, that's such a weak point to end it on. But that being said, <laughs> the solos that I did after that original run of the fan solo, for the most part, were pretty inconsequential. I mean, what I mean by that is that none of the solos I've done since then had the same sort of impact on me as that second fan solo. And those subsequent solos, I have so little anecdotes to go with each and every one, but I think that's probably a time for a different episode. I'm not quite sure how to, I don't know, I haven't figured out how to end these yet, but I guess that's it for this inaugural episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you come back for episode two. <laughs>